You are listening to Policing Matters on PoliceOne.com. I'm your host, Jim Dudley. Well, law enforcement and all across the public safety service, members are often working in conditions from boredom bliss to extremely stressful situations. Often we do not sleep well. We may miss meals or eat poorly. We change shifts and work ungodly hours and more hours than we want. Surely there are consequences to other occupational hazards like repeated exposure to witnessing trauma, grief, and tragedy. What are the lasting long-term effects? Well, today we may find out. We're talking with Dr. John Violanti, noted researcher and police veteran who specializes in research on police stress, health, post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, and suicide on members of the law enforcement field. Dr. John Violanti, PhD, is a full research professor in the Department of Epidemiology and Environmental Health, School of Public Health and Health Professions at the University at Buffalo, New York. He served with the New York State Police for 23 years as a trooper, criminal investigator, and later as a coordinator for State Police Psychological Assistance Program, their EAP. Dr. Violanti has authored over 150 peer-reviewed articles on shift work, stress, and PTSD. He's also written and edited 20 books on topics of stress, trauma, and suicide. Newly funded projects include the effects of PTSD on decision-making among police and mental health outcomes associated with COVID-19. Very timely. Well, welcome to Policing Matters, Dr. John Violanti. Oh, oh, thanks for inviting me. Appreciate that. Yeah, I've been reading your articles. They're very informative. I mean, they go into the the chemical influences and uh, cortisol and and all these other things that affect our our health. Mm -hmm. Uh, What can you tell our listeners about stress and cardiovascular disease? Well, first of all, I think most of us know what stress is. We all feel it in our daily lives and our jobs and all we do. Uh, I think to a great extent, though, we really don't understand how much that stress affects us. And this is especially true when you're under chronic stress. You know, uh, most stress we can handle and we deal with it day by day. But when stress becomes chronic, when it becomes, comes to a point where every day, every day, you're, you're experiencing this uh, sort of stress on your work, uh, it's going to take a toll on your body. It's going to take the physiological toll on your body. Uh, We found in our research that uh, police officers have a higher rate of cardiovascular disease than does the general population. We also found that police officers have a higher rate of stress than the general population. Uh, There's a, a composite of risk factors associated with cardiovascular disease called the metabolic syndrome. And what that is essentially is a collection of of five uh, risk factors that if you have these risk factors, you're more at risk to have a heart attack or have uh, cardiovascular disease. Like having a a large, uh, more than a 42 inch waist, for example, uh, having high levels of triglycerides, having very low levels of the good cholesterol, uh, having high blood pressure, and having high glucose uh, sugar levels in your blood. If you have those in your system or it's part of your your physiology, you're at high risk for heart disease. When we looked at that in police officers, we found that around 25% 
of the officers we tallied actually had the metabolic syndrome. So, you know, it's, it's frightening to look at these statistics and the thing about them is they can be changed. I mean, there are factors in there that you can change by simply improving your diet and improving your exercise and dealing with the stress that you're dealing at your work. Uh, how do we deal, how do we know about stress? How do we find out about these things? Well, we simply don't ask questions. We look at, uh, look at biology and there are hormones in your body that when you're under stress are going to start secreting throughout your body. One of the primary hormones that we talk about is cortisol. Now, cortisol is a hormone. And when you're under stress, cortisol is secreted in your body through an axis or a system in your body, and it goes to all parts of your body. Now, cortisol has a, a specific pattern. And during the day, when you wake up, for example, cortisol is very low. And as the day goes on, the cortisol increases to a point and after that, it starts coming down in the evening. That's a normal pattern of cortisol. So we look at that pattern in people who are under chronic stress. And when you look at that pattern, uh, it's different than that normal pattern. People who are under chronic stress may have a, a flat design. In other words, their cortisol may not move at all through the day, or it may go way below instead of going up. So we look at that in our research and we, we, uh, from that we can determine whether or not the cortisol and the stress has in some way affected your physiology. Now, if the cortisol is not in a normal pattern, what that does is put the body off balance. You know, our body's always in a state of, it's supposed to be always in a state of balance, but stress knocks the heck out of that balance. You know, it does, it does a number on it. If that happens to you all the time and your cortisol is not in balance, uh, you have opened the door for disease, uh, particularly cardiovascular disease. And, and why I say that is that when the cortisol levels are not where they're supposed to be, the inside of your arteries, and this is called the endothelial uh, sec, uh, lining inside of your arteries, uh, becomes inflamed. And over the years, that inflammation in order to protect the arteries, uh, develops plaque. And as the plaque gets thicker and thicker, as you know, uh, sooner or later, the artery is blocked and you have a heart attack or you have a stroke. Now, how do we determine the risk of heart disease in police officers? Well, we look at arteries. We look at uh, an artery in the arm called the brachial artery. Uh, we, in our lab, we, uh, we block that off for about four minutes. Not completely, but we block it off fairly strongly, and then we release it. And we watch on our computers how well that artery will expand. Now, the better it expands, of course, the more healthy it is. In police officers, the arteries that are not expanding well are unhealthy arteries. That's a high risk for our future heart disease. So those are the things we look at. Uh, there are other things. Uh, a little more complicated, but it's something called heart rate variability. You know, your heart, essentially your heart beats at different rates at different times of the day. Uh, under stress, you don't have that variability. And the less variability you have of that beat to deal with stress situations, the worse off you're going to be in terms of heart disease risk. Uh, so some of the things we look at, I think, uh, 
we did a, a study from the National Law Enforcement uh, Memorial Fund uh, database that they had on officers who died on duty, while on duty, from heart disease or from a heart attack. And the average age of a heart attack of police officers on duty were 46.5 years. Extremely young. And most of these heart attacks occurred in times of stress, chasing a felon or a high-speed chase or getting involved in a struggle and so forth and so on. Uh, and these officers died on duty. So that, that's a, another scary statistic. And, and uh, it, it shows us that the, the cardiovascular health of police officers in this country is not very good. So there's a lot of room for improvement and there are ways to, to deal with that, as I mentioned before. And we can talk about that a little, uh, a little bit more. Yeah, that's really interesting. And that is a shocking number that uh, the age of 46.5. Mm -hmm. um, I'd be interested to see what your studies talk about uh, the COVID uh, relation and also the, the year of 2020 that we've had. And we've had, you know, into 2021 about, you know, the additional stressors on, on police these days. And I want to talk a little bit about resilience. You mentioned resilience in, in some of your studies. And um, it's a phenomenon that I guess we don't really understand. And uh, if we did, we'd, you know, we'd build everybody's resilience, right? right. But sometimes you might have, uh, you know, a pair of officers working together, partners or in the same squad, and they're doing the same thing and eating the same foods. And yet, um, they may follow similar routines, but then they have different health outcomes. Um, why is that? Have you, have you solved that one yet? Well, I haven't solved it, but I, I can tell you uh, in terms of what, what we're finding out and when we look at, at people who are resilient versus people who are not resilient. And uh, I think it has a lot to do with, uh, there are three factors here. I think number one has to do with upbringing. Uh, people who were brought up as children with parents that uh, were able to handle their stress well, who from example and from modeling uh, taught their kids to handle stress well, these folks are gonna turn out to be more resilient when they become adults. So it's a psychological, it's a, a social psychological factor in that respect. The other part of that is there are people who are naturally resilient psychologically uh, for some reason, and, and there are biological reasons for this, and we, uh, we haven't looked into that really deep, but there are, there are reasons why some people just are not bothered by stress. I mean, it, it like rolls off of their back. Uh, and these people are rare, but they are out there. The third reason has to do with, 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 with the social situation of the police organization. You know, without support, you you won't have a resilient officer if you don't have a resilient police organization. So the major factor that I think is important here is leadership. If you have a good leader, if you have a leader that supports troops in, in times of stress and trauma, uh, you're gonna fare out better in terms of resilience and you're not gonna lose that officer to, to stress or stress-related disease. So it's important. The problem I see, and, and I, I talked talk to so many officers, and the problem they always mention, I said, what, what's the thing that bothers you most about your job? And they always say it's the administration. That comes first, and then everything else comes second. 
So if the administration is out of touch with, with the guy and, and the woman on the street, uh, that's going to decrease the ability for that person on the street to deal with the trauma. Uh, I think it's essential that you have support in your organization and an understanding and a trust. If you don't have trust between the administration and the officer, and the officer doesn't trust the administration and the administration doesn't trust the officer, uh, you're going to have somewhere where the officer feels isolated, gets in a traumatic situation, doesn't know what to do, doesn't feel supported, and in many uh, cases uh, develops depression. We know from our research that resilience, social resilience or personal resilience, is a very strong uh, factor in reducing trauma and stress, especially PTSD. And we found that, you know, we look at this statistically, we look at this in different ways, and we found that that's true. Resilience is, it works very well. There are people who um, are, are committed. Uh, by that, I mean, they find life to, to, to be, these the psychological factors in resilience, they, they find life to be worthwhile and, and okay, even though there's a lot of problems. Hey, it's okay. It's worth it. You know, still here. Everything's are good. You have people like that. They're more resilient. Uh, you have people out there who um, take life as a challenge instead of a threat. Those kind of people are, are more resilient. If I get in a bad situation, I get in the shooting. And, um, you know, for the rest of my life as a police officer, that's a, that's a threat to me, that, that event. I'm not going to fare well. If I say to myself, oh my God, I survived, I made it, I got through this, I learned something from this, you know, I learned I can do this and I'm better for that. But these are more resilient people. And then the other major factor is that of control. Uh, if I feel that I have control over my own life and that I am able to control the situations in the street uh, well enough to make me a good cop, you know, I'm, a, I'm gonna become a more resilient person. So those are the psychological factors that we see in, uh, in, uh, in our resilient people. Yeah, really interesting, especially the, the upbringing uh, part that you talked about. I think about my own chaotic upbringing in a household with seven kids and uh, it was constant chaos. So yeah, there was no stress there. I mean, going to work and policing was easy after that. Yeah, sure, yeah. So how much, but how much, you alluded to it a little bit, how much can uh, diet and fitness um, work its way in to avoid long-term health, adverse health effects? Mm -hmm. Is it luck of the draw in genetics or can we really do something about it? You talk about the 42 inch waist. I mean, that's an obvious one, but um, are we predisposed to stress and cardiovascular disease or is there something we can do? Sure, I mean, we can do it. We can help. We can help ourselves. And, and when you look at uh, gen, uh, genetics, uh, about 30% of what's going to affect you is going to be genetic. So if your mom uh, had high blood pressure or your mom had a heart disease, you're, you're probably at a 30% risk also for getting that. But then you factor in lifestyle and lifestyle makes a big difference. You know, um, my dad smokes cigars. And he died at 81. Okay, um, the rest of the family died at 98. So the fact that he smoked cigars, the fact that his lifestyle included smoking cigars, shortened his life factor. 
we found in our research that if you exercise 30 minutes a day uh, for five days a week, that you can increase your lifespan of about seven years. Uh, just by doing that simple thing. And you don't have to be a marathon runner. You don't have to run 10Ks and 26 miles. All you got to do is walk. And you don't even have to walk really quick. Uh, but as long as you move, if you stop moving, you're done. If you stop moving, you're done. If, if you go to the office every day or if you go to your patrol car and you sit there for eight hours or 10 hours or whatever your shift is, um, that we, we, the researchers tell us that that's almost as bad as smoking cigarettes. So it's very important that we move. In terms of diet, uh, cops have the worst diet in the world. I'm sorry to say that, but we do. Uh, I, myself included, uh, I'm not, you know, not saying it's not me, but uh, I recall working the night shift, you know, of course, three o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning, where do you eat? Where do you eat? Maybe there's a fast food restaurant open, maybe. Uh, you grab a hamburger, you start eating it, Next thing you know, the radio blasts, you know, you got a guy with a gun walking down the street about two blocks away from you. So the hamburger goes down into your stomach and it lays there and it lays there and it tightens right up and it eats the heck out of your stomach while you chase this guy, this fellow. Uh, there's no place to eat. And, and I think officers uh, learn bad habits from working night shift. And I think, uh, uh, the diets that we have are not very good. Uh, I'm trying to think of our last research study where there was a, um, a high degree of fat and carbohydrate in the police diet and a very lower degree of uh, vegetables and fruits. Uh, there are successful diets out there. The keto is, is fairly successful. The uh, Mediterranean diet has been very successful. If you People generally have trouble eating that kind of food, but if you do, you know, it's a good diet. One of the things we found about eating uh, high um, sucrose or high sugar type uh, foods is that uh, our officers are, are developing insulin resistance. And what that is essentially is we have, we have receptors in our body that... Um, detect insulin when our sugar levels in our blood go up. Uh, the detectors uh, send the insulin to, to lower the, uh, the sugar, the glucose. Well, though, after years and after uh, constant battering by, by uh, glucose and sugar and all of these things, those receptors become resistant to the insulin and the insulin can't get in there anymore and, and lower things down. So when that happens, your glucose goes up, your blood sugar goes up. And if it gets over, you know, over 100, so, uh, you know, you're going to develop prediabetes or diabetes. Uh, midnight shifts um, are, are uh, again, and we found most of the officers who work nights on steady nights, which are the ones we're looking at, we're, uh, we're at the 29, a BMI of 29, which is... Uh, uh, much higher than the obese level of 25. So uh, yeah, diet is a uh, diet's very difficult for, for this job. And uh, I think uh, uh, education is probably the way that we're going to get around that. Yeah. And I think, I think there's some help on the horizon with um, a lot of the sports drinks going away from the sucrose and fructose and, and more to, you know, natural sweeteners. We're seeing more, 
uh, cops bringing their food to work, especially on the midnight shift, thankfully. Um, I want to get into uh, some of the other things that we can do, like sleep. But first, I'd like to take a moment and acknowledge our sponsor. PoliceOne.com is the number one resource for your up-to-the-minute law enforcement news, training, and incident analysis. Our mission is to provide you with the information you need to better protect your communities and your safety. Becoming a Police One member is quick, easy, and free. Once registered, you will receive access to secure law enforcement-only training and video tips, articles and sections, and a subscription to our award-winning law enforcement newsletters. Go to policeone.com forward slash registration to sign up today. That's policeone, the number one, dot com forward slash registration. And I'm back and we're speaking with Dr. John Violanti, researcher, uh, former patrol uh, in Buffalo, New York, and uh, got a lot of really great uh, research going on uh, to help law enforcement officers uh, in their overall health, in their cardiovascular health. And uh, I want to talk about um, sleep. Now, um, I've had others on the program who talked about the importance of sleep just for overall clarity and decision making. But what about our long-term health? The research shows, and, and you know, we're on this as well, the research is showing us that improper sleep or sleep quality and length of sleep have a definite effect on cardiovascular health. Uh, again, it, it's, hard, it's hard for people to understand that. I think most people do understand this, but it's, uh, it's complex because we're all on a, on a circadian cycle and we're on a 24 hour circadian cycle. What shift work does is turn your world upside down basically. Uh, and the circadian cycle is disrupted. And when it's disrupted, it's as bad as stress disrupting the balance of your body. It does the same thing. So working a shift work, a 10 or 12 hour shift work, is gonna basically put you in something we like to call social jet lag. It, it, it just knocks you the heck out of your life. It desynchronizes you with your, your family and everyone else. Uh, we found that there's an association between cardiovascular disease, there's an association between with cancer. Uh, all of these research is being done and we are seeing that's happening. I think sleep deprivation is very common. I think the average hours of sleep that we found in our study was about five. You need at least seven, at least seven to think clearly. If you sleep, less than three hours. You can't function, it's impossible. If you're driving, essentially your body, your brain falls asleep before your body. So if you're uh, driving around a patrol car on three or four hours sleep, your brain's probably asleep already. And we've seen situations where we get this thing called micro sleep, where there are points of two or three or four or five seconds where you don't even, you're asleep. You're basically sleeping and you don't know what's going on. So sleep's very important. And I think the way you deal with that is, is you set up a schedule, if possible, where you always go to sleep at the same time. You know, you set up a, a pattern. And when you do that, you'll sleep better. You know, the room darkening shades, the sleep, uh, the agreement with the family that 
hey, you know, I just got off at seven o'clock. I need quiet for about six hours, please, kids, please. And uh, it, it, it's a strain. Now, you, you take the average cop and uh, they're, they're working midnights. Uh, they get off at, let's say they get off at eight o'clock. They get a call. You got to be in court at nine o'clock. Uh, should I go to sleep or should I stay up? I don't know what to do. If I go to sleep, I'll, I'll never wake up. So they stay up and, and they go to court and they're in court for three hours and they get off court. They come home and they come home and all of a sudden, you know, the refrigerator's not working anymore. So now we have to take care of that. By the time they realize that it's time to go back to work. So it, it just desynchronizes your whole life. And I think proper sleep hygiene, uh, learning to sleep um, uh, in a pattern way can help that sort of thing. Uh, it's definitely, it has a health effect on us. And I think, I think we need to, to deal with that in, in, in police uh, organizations. It's been found that the, the, prime, the, the um, best type of shift is the 10 hour I think Amendola out of the Police Foundation found that the best type of shift to work is the 10-hour shift and uh, a steady shift. Now, when you change shifts, uh, you have to resynchronize all over again. So you go from days to afternoons to nights. Uh, if you do that, and some departments have to do this because of shortage personnel, if you do that within one or two weeks, you know, you're really going to be messed up. I mean, your, your body will never get a chance to stabilize and, uh, you know, uh, even out again. So you put that together with stress and the desynchronization of the circadian cycle, a circadian disruption, and you have, a, you have a cocktail for a very dangerous physiological situation, psychological as well, um, depression, higher in police officers who work night shifts. Uh, Decision-making, more difficult for people who work night shifts. Personnel complaints, more on the night shift. Okay. All of these things uh, matter. Uh, education, again, at the uh, organizational level, at the academy level, especially, you know, when the young people come in to, to start this work, they have to know right away that these are the things they're dealing with. That's not the kind of cocktail I'm looking forward to. <laughs> For sure, yeah. <laughs> well, we see a lot of apps and programs out there that are aimed at overall fitness. Are there any silver bullets out there? Is the answer mindfulness training, yoga, aerobic, anaerobic exercise? I mean, there's watches, there's rings, there's monitors. Do you see anything out there that would be like a quick fix we could slap on tomorrow or a program we could start tomorrow to improve our overall health? Well, I wish there were. Unfortunately, it, it, fitness is up to you. You know, you have to, as an individual, you have to take care of yourself. Uh, there's nobody else out there that's going to come along and hit you on the head with a club if you don't eat well or you don't exercise. And I tell this to police officers and I, I do lectures sometimes and so, yeah, 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 I know. I got to eat more salads. I got to work. I, I know, you know, I know, I know. I said, yeah, I, I, yeah, I know too, but it's, think about it. You know, you want to live a longer time and you want to, to collect your pension and enjoy your grandkids. You, you need to, you need to consider this stuff. Uh, mindfulness is, is good. Uh, I like it. And essentially what it does, 
It helps you deal with stress by taking you out of the past and taking you out of the future. So all of fear is probably, or a lot of the fear is probably in the future. All of what's happened to you in the past, the trauma in the past is still there, you know, in your fear circuits. And sometimes you can't get rid of it. Uh, so what mindfulness does essentially is to keep you in the present moment. And by doing that, it's eliminating those stressors out there. Now you come and you, you stay in a stressful moment by doing relaxation techniques, which are spelled out in mindfulness sorts of theories uh, to, to calm your body down, to make you understand that you're here. You're not there, you're not there, you're here and you're okay. And as you practice that more and more, you can turn it on, as you get better at it, you can turn it on in bad stressful situations and trauma. And when you turn it on, it can calm you down and get you out of that, that state of, uh, of trauma and PTSD. Uh, yoga, I think, does much of the same and other relaxation techniques. Uh, one of the things I, I really like about um, what the military are using are, are uh, animals, dogs, for example. You know, I think that works very well for people who are suffering from trauma to have a, a dog, a therapy dog with them. Uh, there's the best friend you can ever have is a dog or sometimes a horse. Some people use horses, but it works great. And, and I've seen veterans who, uh, you know, fully recovered PTSD by the fact that they had this friend, this, this one, this total support person or uh, total support dog with them. So I think that works well. Exercise, uh, again, 30 minutes a day, anything, just walk, you know, just, just, Every hour in the hour, my, my Apple Watch tells me, John, get up and walk around. <laughs> okay, my watches are good. The Apple Watch is getting better all the time. You know, it gives you a heart rate. It gives you everything. Like that. Um, and so do the other ones. All of the brands are doing the same thing. But it works. Uh, you can take care of yourself. But you can even buy, there's a device out there for about 100 bucks that you can, you can monitor your heart with. Uh, I forgot what they call it. But you put your two fingers on it and it'll give you a, a reading of a, an, e, an EKG of your heart. Oh, yeah, like the blood ox meters. Yeah, there's blood oxygen level as well. Yeah. Yeah. Run, yeah again, it's up to you. You know, uh, smoking, uh, everyone knows what, what smoking does to you, you know, uh, and it's true. Over and over and again, the research has demonstrated that you need to stop smoking if you do, and you'll add years to your life. Uh, I think doing with stress, dealing with stress, um, again, again, using some of these relaxation techniques or thinking about situations, uh, coping in a positive way, I guess is a good way to put it. Not, uh, not thinking negatively about everything. You know, like I'm going down the street and, and a bird happens to hit my car and I say, why does that always happen to happen to me? Why was it my car? I mean, that's a negative way of thinking. I mean, Bird probably did it to a lot of people that day. So you, you think about, well, you know, I can handle this. This is good. This is positive. There are positive things in my life that will far outweigh these negative things in my life. I can go home at the end of the day and be with my family. I can be with my kids. I can enjoy life. I tell officers, 
one of the best things you can do is just pull the plug when you leave work. Take all of that accoutrements and that gun and everything and lock it up somewhere and go home and be a regular guy or a regular woman. Don't, you know, don't take it all with you because if you do, it's going to be there. You know, and Gil Martin, Kevin Gil Martin is a great, a great guy. He's got a great book and he says the same thing. You know, you, you can't get emotionally involved and you can't let police work identify you in your life. You got your own life, you know, go live it. Uh, that's the way you deal with stress. You know, you separate uh, and it works. Great. So positive attitude uh, goes a long way. Yeah, I'd like to wrap up and uh, appreciate your time. What are you currently working on? What can we expect to see? Um, are you looking for participants in any of your studies? How can our listeners uh, uh, be a part of what you're doing? Well, we basically, uh, we've been working with, uh, with the Buffalo PD for about 16 years now. So we, uh, our samples used to come from there. But I'm sure we're always willing to, to find new samples out there. You know, as a researcher, that's, that's our goal. Um, we're uh, working on, we've got two uh, projects going. Number one, uh, we're, we're looking at the, how people, the adaptation of shift work. Some people adapt, some don't. And uh, again, there are chemical, biological factors involved in that that help people adapt. One of those is melatonin. And, and melatonin levels are very important for uh, helping you deal, number one, with going to sleep. And number two, and with staying awake in, in hours you're supposed to be sleeping. So uh, we're dealing with that. Uh, we're looking at that. We're looking at the lifestyle of people who adapt well. How do they sleep? How do they eat? What do they do? What's their social activities? Uh, sleep quality, sleep length, and so forth. And we're looking at specific uh, DNA in that study that might be related to those who do not adapt. It might be related to the development of cancer. Uh, so we're working on that. The second project we just started, we're working on the mental health effects of officers of the COVID-19 pandemic, along with the, the riots and the, the civil unrest that they've dealt with for the past year. And we're hoping to find, or not hoping to find, but we think we will find uh, a deleterious effect on, on the mental health of officers. One of the pilot studies we just did, um, actually this was a, a national study, and we found that the PTDS rate, the PTSD rate of officers uh, after the pandemic was very high. It was uh, indicative of post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, almost in a diagnostic way, not just symptomatic. So that's the way things are. We, you know, we've suffered a lot during the past year and we've handled all of these things uh, and we're still here and you know, uh, we're still enjoying our life because that's the way we have to take it. That's our job. It's tough. It's very difficult. Uh, and you know, I'm thankful every day that there are people out there that want to do this work to keep our society safe. Well, I appreciate all the work that you're doing uh, to help our first responders, to help them live a longer, better life. I appreciate the work that you're doing. It's really important. I'd love to have you on the show again to follow up on some of these things, especially the the effects due to COVID and the unrest of 2020 and so on. Uh, thanks for your time, doctor. 
Okay, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. All right. And uh, to our listeners, thanks for listening. I'm Jim Dudley. And if you have an idea, you have a speaker you'd like to hear from, let me know. Drop me an email at policingmatters at policeone.com. That's policingmatters at policeone.com. Love to hear from you. Hey, take good care. Be safe. Watch your back. All right. Stay well.